want to share what the Lord has laid upon my heart to speak this morning. I'll ask you to turn over to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 16, beginning with the 13th verse. We're going to read a portion of scripture that is very familiar, no doubt. Matthew chapter 16, beginning with that 13th verse. The Bible says, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they said unto him, some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elijah and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But Jesus said to them, but whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And then he charged them, the Bible says he charged his disciples, that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ, that he was Messiah. Now I'm going to stop reading right there this morning. Ask if you'll bow your heads, please, and let's pray together. Father, we are thankful today for the opportunity that you have given to us to come together in your name and to be in this place, to give glory and honor to your name, to elevate you and exalt you and to lift you up on high. This morning, I pray, Heavenly Father, we have worshiped and we have sang and we have honored you with our praises. And now, Lord, we come to the reading of your word. And I would pray today that you would anoint me with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that you would give me a divine capability, that you would put your words in my mind and in my mouth and in my heart, that I may speak what you would have me to speak. In my own self, I am incapable, but if you will touch me with your anointing, I know, Lord, that you will help me to be effective, an effective minister of the word of the living God. Touch me now. Give me unction to function. Give us liberty in the house of the Lord to speak what you have uh, put upon our hearts. And Father, let Jesus be glorified. Let the people of God be edified and for all of these things, Lord, we will be eternally grateful. We ask them in the name of the Lord Jesus. And everyone in agreement said, Amen. Amen. So as you can see behind me on the slide, I am going to entitle my message this morning, Misconceptions, Part 1, The Church. And this morning I want to speak specifically about the church that Jesus 
said the gates of hell would not prevail against. But over the course of the next few weeks, I want to discuss some of the misconceptions that have been both attached to and with the church. If the Lord allows in the coming few weeks, then we're going to address some misconceptions that have formed about not only the church itself, but about some of the functions of the church. Understand that when I say the church, I'm not just talking about Elevation Worship Center. Understand that when I say the church, I'm talking about the church world as a whole. And the main title of the series is going to be called Misconceptions. And then each week, if the Lord allows, I will take a specific subject to speak upon. And so with that in mind this morning, I would like for us to look at the church. Let's start this morning by defining the term misconception. Misconceptions are, of course, mistaken ideas or mistaken view resulting in a misunderstanding or an incorrect view or an inaccurate view of something. So I would submit to you that while perception and understanding lend itself to wisdom and insight and comprehension, misconceptions lead to misunderstanding and misinterpretation. Misconceptions lead to mistakes and false impressions. Misconceptions lead to factual error fallacy or inaccuracy. I read this past week of a little girl who asked her daddy, Daddy, who is Richard Stans? He said, who? And she said, who is Richard Stans? He thought for a moment. He said, honey, I don't think I know anybody by the name of Richard Stans. And she said, well, all I can say is he must be a very important person. And her daddy looked at her and said, well, honey, why do you think that Richard Stans is a really important person? She said, because every morning at school, we stand and say, pledge allegiance to the flag. And we say, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for Richard Stans. Let me say again, misconceptions lead to misunderstanding and misinterpretation. Amen. I'll give you another example. A few weeks or a few months ago, a few years ago even, there was a FedEx commercial and a gentleman by the name of Ned. The backdrop for the commercial was they were in an office space. There were about three or four workers in that office space and and they were talking amongst themselves, and one of them said, we should just send our packages by way of FedEx. And Ned said, that's way too expensive. And the co-worker of Ned said to him, Ned, you are always incorrect. And Ned said, how so? And so his co-worker said, well, let's review. He said, Steely Dan is not just one person. We get fringe benefits, not French benefits. It's the leaning tower of Pisa, not the leaning tower of Pisa. And he said, and James Dean is an actor, and Jimmy Dean makes sausage. 
What I'm saying this morning is that misconceptions lead to mistakes and false impressions. And how many of you know there are a lot of Neds in this world when it comes to the church? They have a lot of misconceptions about what the church is, what the function of the church is. Amen. And even within our own community, even within our own church family, I would submit that there are some folks that do not understand all, amen, that God intends for the church to be. People sometimes take bits and pieces of what they hear and tidbits and snippets of what they read and they take other people's opinions about something and then they jumble it all together and they come up with their own belief and their own opinion and when they put it all together, they come up with nothing but misconceptions, incorrect opinions. They view the church, amen, how they view the church is neither accurate or correct, neither biblical or truthful, neither profitable, constructive, or advantageous for their soul. So this morning, I would like for us to just talk a little bit about the church, and I want us to understand the main ideas behind the church, Jesus himself is the one that said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So I tell you this morning that if Jesus is going to be the one building the church and the church was his idea, then I believe that Jesus ought to give us, amen, a proper perspective of what the church is. Can you say amen? Our passage this morning, the text that we've read, is a very powerful setting of Scripture. Jesus says, the Bible says that, amen, and I want you just to kind of picture it in your mind. Jesus said they come into Caesarea Philippi. And Jesus asks his disciples, whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they begin to tell him the town gossip. They begin to tell him what others were saying about him. This was a big moment. This was a moment, amen, that the disciples had to determine who this Jesus was. They had followed him. They had watched him heal the sick. They had heard him teach, and they had heard him speak, and they had watched him open the eyes of the blind and unstop deaf ears. And now Jesus asked them, who do you believe that I am? This was a powerful moment. This was a big moment. And they are telling him what others think about him. And Jesus stops them in the 14th verse. And he says, I don't, I, I'm not interested in the town gossip. Who do you say that I am? Hello? Who do you say that I am? He put it on a personal level. Who do you say that I am? Can I tell you this morning that we all have to come to that place, amen, where we make a determination upon who Jesus is in our life. Mm -hmm. Amen. Jesus wasn't going to settle for what others thought, but he made it personal. And he said to them, whom do you say that I am? And Peter got a revelation from God. And Peter says to him, I know who you are. I'll tell you who you are. You are the Christ. 
You are the you are the anointed one. You are the Christ. You are Yahshua. You are the Son of the Living God. You are the one that we have been looking for. You are Messiah. And Jesus says to him, Peter, Amen. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And then he says to him, Amen. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What rock is he talking about? Jesus tells them, Upon this rock, or upon this confession of who I am, upon the confession of who I am, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So the question becomes what kind of church? Was Jesus going to build? What kind of church? What would it look like? What would it consist of? What is the church? Since Jesus spoke those words, many opinions have, uh, have been formed. And the, the first misconception that I want to talk to you about this morning is the, the, the number one misconception of the church is that the church is a building. The church is a building. Folks misunderstand. They believe that the church is a location or a place or a building. When some people talk about the church, they, amen, they cut the, what comes to their mind is a specific location. They tend to think of the church as a structure, a particular site, or a particular space. And because our English language is somewhat limited, we often perpetuate that misconception by the things that we say. Let me give you some examples. We say things like, our church, quote, unquote, is at, is at. The corner of Judo Lane and Highway 16. Hello? Amen. We, we perpetuate the idea that the church is a place by saying things like the church, our church, is at Judo Lane and Highway 16. As if this building were the church. We say things like our church is over there. Our church is quote unquote on top of the hill. Our church is over by the canal. As if certain locations is where the church is. You hear what I'm saying? Amen. We got up this morning and we determined that we would quote unquote go to the church. And we came here. We tell our children, get up, get dressed. We're going to church. Tomorrow, if people ask what we did this morning, we will tell them that we quote unquote went to church. Because we came here. You understand what I'm saying this morning? Amen. We perpetuate the idea that somehow this building is the church. Amen. The misconception is that we begin to think uh, that the church is a place, a space, uh, a location, a building, a site. Uh, amen. Or a certain locality. And the biggest problem with that misconception is that when we leave the place, uh, we feel like we have left the church. Hello? We think because in our mind that the church is a place, 
that when we leave the church, we're no longer at church. You are the church. What I want us to understand this morning is that the church is not a building. It's not a space. It's not a location. We are the church. Don't just go to church. Be the church. Hello? Here's some scripture for, amen, what I'm telling you this morning. Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 22. It says, and he, God the Father, hath put all things under his, Jesus' feet, uh, and gave him, Jesus, to be the head over all things to the church, which is the body. If you're part of the body of Christ, you are the church. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18 says, And he, Jesus, is the head of the body, which is the church. Amen. What Paul is saying is that Jesus is the head of the body, and the body is the church. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse number 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ, and you are members individually. So what I want us to understand this morning is that the church is not a building. The church is not a space. But we are the church of the living God. Amen. Amen. We are the church. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days out of the year. We are the church of the living God. Amen. When we leave this building, we are still the church. Amen. When we leave the building, amen, we are taking the church with us. No matter where we go, we are taking the church. We are taking the church to our office. To our job, to our school, to the barbershop, amen, to the gym, wherever we go. We are the church when we're walking into Albertsons. Uh, we are the church when we're shopping uh, at D&B, picking up supplies. Uh, we are the church uh, when we're shopping at uh, Tractor Supply. Uh, we're the church driving down Highway 16. Uh, so don't be telling anybody they're number one. Can you say amen? You are the church every day of the week. Mm. Don't just go to church. Be the church. We are an extension of Jesus Christ. Jesus, what he did physically on this earth when he walked this planet is our mission and our job. That's what we are to do. What did Jesus do? He shared the love of God with the outcasts. He, he picked up those that were brokenhearted and those that were hurting. He ministered to them and lifted them up. That's what we are to do. Amen. We are to share the love of God with them. Amen. We are to minister to them. We are to help them. We are to encourage them. That's what we have been called to do. Beloved, we may gather in a building to worship our God, but I submit to you that this building, amen, is not the church. We are the church. We are the building with which God inhabits. Mm. Amen. Let me give you some scripture. We are the building that God inhabits. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16 said what? Know you not that you are the temple of the living God and that the spirit of God dwells in you. 
1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 19 said, Know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have from God, and ye are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5 says, Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable unto God by Christ Jesus. What does he mean? A lively stone built into a spiritual house. He's talking about a temple. Amen. Being amen, made with stone. He's talking about us. We are a lively stone. Amen. We are being built into a house. Amen. For the Lord to dwell in. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Mm. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16 says, What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and I will walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And then he says, wherefore, because I'm your God and you are my people, wherefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And then I will receive you and I will be a father unto you and you will be my sons and my daughters and the very next Next verse of chapter 7, 2 Corinthians says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh, perfecting holiness in the reverence of God. In other words, amen, because God is in us and God is our God and we take him with us wherever we go. Be careful where you go and be careful that you live a godly and a holy and righteous life. The Greek word for the church is ecclesia. It means called out or set aside. It means he called us out of darkness and set us aside to walk in his marvelous light. Amen. Let's clear up the misconception that the church is a building and understand that the church is an assembly of called out believers that have been sanctified and set aside for the work of the kingdom of God. That's who we are. That's who the church is. Amen. The church is not a building. Misconception number one, the church is a building, not so. Misconception number two, the church is an organization. The church is an organization. How many of you have ever heard someone say, well, I believe in God, but I don't, I don't, I don't cater to organized religion. They have a misconception of the church. The church is not organized religion. I would submit to you that the church is not an organization, it's an organism. Hello? The church is not an organization, it's a living thing. It's an organism. Let me tell you what I mean. Some folks have the misconception that the church is just an organization. 
Because the church has officers such as pastors and elders and secretaries and teachers and administrators and amen, all of those kind of, some folks see the church as nothing more than just a religious Kiwanis club. Hello? Amen, we're nothing better or nothing more than a rotary club. We have articles, bylaws that govern our activities. We have times that our meetings start. We have membership objectives. Amen. We have certain protocols and organization, and rightly so, because Paul said that everything should be done in decency and in order. Hello? But because we have those things in their mind, we are just another organization. In their mind, they do their thing, and the church does its thing. However, I would submit to you that while it is true that the church has organization and structure. We are not just an organization, but we are a living thing. We are a living organism. We are an extension of the body of Christ. And because he lives, we live also. Hello? You understand what I'm saying? The church is a living thing. The church is alive. The church is a living, breathing, conscious organism. We are the body of a living Christ. And because he is alive, we are alive in him. Amen. Because he lived, Jesus said in our text, upon this rock, I will build my church. It's not my church. It's not even your church. It's his church. Amen, we are just the overseers. Amen, I'll build my church. And he said, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He was declaring that his church would be a living, continuing organism. He was declaring that there would be no expiration date on his church. I came to tell you this morning that the church that Jesus built is still alive and well. I came to tell you that the church that Jesus built is still moving forward and advancing for the kingdom of God. The church that Jesus built is still being led by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The church, his church, is still storming the gates of hell. His church is still marching in triumphant victory. And his church, the gates of hell will never prevail against it. Don't misunderstand this morning. The church is not just an organization. The church is a living, breathing, conscious thing. We are the body of Christ. We are the presence of Jesus in this world today. The third misconception that people have that I want to talk about is that people have the idea that the church exists to serve me. Well, be careful now, Brother Gary. The church exists to serve me. The attitude becomes that when things aren't going right in my life, I will go to the church and see what they can do for me. They should take care of me. The attitude becomes I don't have to do anything for the church. The church has to do for me. 
This is good. Y'all ain't shouting, but this is good preaching. The attitude becomes the church exists to serve me. And if I don't think they're serving me like they ought to, I will go to another church. Hello? I may ought to duck to preach this part. Can I suggest to you this morning that we should not be asking what the church can do for us, but what we can do for the church. See, the church does not necessarily exist just to serve me. I exist to serve the church. I exist to serve you. The Bible said that we are to serve one another in love. I exist. He meant to say, not what can you do for me, but what can I do for you? How can I encourage you? How can I lift you up? How can I be an Aaron and a her and take a hold of your hands and lift your hands up and be a blessing to you? What can I do for the church? What can I do to serve the body of Christ? What can I do to advance his kingdom on this earth? Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, now grab a hold of that. Paul is saying, let this mind, let the mind that was in Christ also be in you. Well, what kind of mind did Jesus have? Here, here's, what, here's, here's the answer. Here's what the Bible says about that. Here was Jesus' mindset. Here was his attitude. Matthew chapter 20, verse 25. But Jesus said unto them, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over other people. And they that are great or they that have authority exercise great authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you, not among my church. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. Let him be your servant. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Amen. And then he goes on to say, because even the Son of Man did not come to be ministered to. I didn't come to see what I could get out of it. I came to see what I could put into it. Hello? People have the misconception that the church is supposed to see how much they can put into them. No, you misunderstand. Jesus brought you into the body so you could be a blessing and see how much you could pour into the lives of others. Servanthood was the mindset that held Jesus in his mind and that had his mind. He believed that we should have the mindset of a servant. Amen. The church does not exist. The, the misconception that the church exists to cater to you is incorrect. He, he brought the church into existence so we would have a place to serve. I preached a message, I don't know, it was years ago, about, um, I forget what I call it, I think it was a cruise ship or a fishing vessel. You know, on, the, on, the, on a cruise ship, people have the mindset, I am here to have a good time. I mean, I want the buffet packed. I, want a, I mean, I want the pool warm. 
It is all about me. On a fishing, they're both a vessel, but on a fishing vessel, that ain't the mindset. The mindset's, I'm going to work. Four o'clock in the morning, them bells going to ring and those cages are going to start coming up. Hello? Amen. What I'm saying this morning is that the church doesn't exist to cater to our needs. The church exists so that we have an opportunity and a place to serve others. Amen. Amen. The fourth misconception that I want to talk about that the Holy Spirit kind of spoke to my heart about is some people have the misconception that the church is for perfect people. <laughs> Let's lay that one to rest right now. Do we have any perfect people in the house? Yeah, me neither. Hello? The world, do you know why the world often thinks that the church is full of hypocrites? Have you, how many of you have ever, ever you know, heard somebody, I don't want to go to church? There are hypocrites in the church. Well, there are hypocrites in the movie theater, too. <laughs> you, don't, you don't mind going and watching, you know, a movie with them. There are hypocrites that go shopping at Albertsons just like you do. Hello? Well, let me just tell you this morning, amen, there may be some hypocrites in the church, but here's why they think that. Because they have the misconception that the church is for perfect people. Wrong. The church is for broken people. The church is for hurt people. The church is not for perfect. I'll tell you right up front, I'm not perfect, but thank God I'm forgiven. I'm not perfect, but thank God he has mercy and his grace is new every morning. I'm not perfect, but thank God that every morning, uh, amen, he backs up and puts a truckload of mercy and compassion, amen, over my life. Thank God, amen, I may not be perfect, but oh, hallelujah, his grace is sufficient for every need in my life. Amen, amen, amen. They think that there are hypocrites in the church because they think the church, they have the misconception that the church is for perfect people. And when we don't live up to that, they go, aha, I told you so. Aha, I told you so. I knew it wasn't real. I'll tell you right up front, folks. Amen, the church was not made for perfect people. The reality is that the church is a place for the imperfect. Church is a place for the broken and the hurting and the helpless. The reality is that the church is a gathering place of imperfect people who have a desire to serve and to worship the only one that was ever perfect. Jesus Christ. The fifth thing that I want to talk to you about this morning, misconceptions number five. Misconceptions, number five. The fifth misconception that I feel like the Spirit laid upon my heart is that church is optional. Misconception that church is optional. Now, understand, I'm not just talking about going to church. I'm talking about being the church. And if you're going to be the church, church is not optional. Hello? I'm not saying, I feel resistance. I'm not saying. 
I'm not saying you have to go to church. I'm saying you have to be the church. Hello? But I will tell you about, you know, coming to the house of God. Uh, People are kind of like automobiles. They start missing before they quit. (laughs) We have a mechanic back here. He'll testify that that's the truth. (laughs) I've always said, you know, you cut a limb off of a tree and set the limb off to the side. See which one continues to thrive. It'll be the tree, not the limb. You separate yourself from the house of God and the rest of the body of Christ, and you're going to die. Hello? Amen. I'm telling you, you know, this morning, amen, it's, it's, not, it's not absolutely necessary for you to come to this building, but it is absolutely necessary for you to be the church. Church is not optional. If you are part of the body of Christ, then you must be the church. You understand what I'm saying? Amen. The story is told many years ago of a pastor who went to visit a parishioner who had missed a lot of services. The story goes that he knocked on the door. The man opened the door and invited him into the house. They went into the parlor where there was a wood stove. They sat down together. Not a word was spoken. The pastor leaned over and took the tongs for the fire, pulled out an ember and set it off to the side of the hearth. Pretty soon that burning ember that was alive began to go out. A word was not spoken. Pastor reached back over, picked it up, put it back in the fire and that ember that had gone out and began to come cold started to warm up again and started to give its light. The pastor got up. A word had not been spoken. The pastor got up and the parishioner said, I'll see you next Sunday, pastor. The message is if you you fail to connect yourself with other believers, if you fail to connect yourself with those of like faith, your ember will go out. Your ember will go out. We need one another. We need one another's encouragement. We need one another's encouragement. We need others to speak into our lives. We need to hear the word of God taught. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Somebody said, preacher, I, could, I can have church on the riverbank. I believe that you could, but you probably won't. brother Gary (laughs) no no we 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 sometimes I've had people say to me you know thank God I don't have to go to church every Sunday and I said thank God I don't either thank God I get to go to church every Sunday 
Amen. Because it's an opportunity for me to connect with fellow believers. It's an opportunity for me to be encouraged in my spirit. It's an opportunity for me to come together with the body of Christ and worship my master. It's an opportunity for me, amen, to be with other believers and have the presence of the Holy Ghost fall into my life. He said, when two or three gather together in my midst, there will I be in their midst also. I'm telling you this morning, amen, thank God we don't have to go to church, but thank God we get to go. Hallelujah. Now, let me give you some scripture in case you think I'm off my rocker here about church is not optional. Here's what Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says. He says, forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Don't do that. Forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is. They had folks in that day that didn't, you know, go to church every Sunday either. But he said, exhorting one another, and so much the more when you see the day of the end approaching. Here's what Hebrews chapter 10, 25 says in the God's Word translation. It says, we should not stop gathering together with other believers as some of you are doing. Instead, we must continue to encourage each other even more when, the, when we see the day of the Lord at hand. Amen. Church should be an opportunity and not, and, and not a forced thing in our life. But I submit to you that church, amen, church is it's, it's not optional. If we are going to be the church, then be the church. Be the light that's set on a hill that the world can see. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. He said, you are the salt of the earth. If you've lost your flavor, then what good are we? If we are the salt of the earth, then we should be salt. Amen. We should be light. The psalmist David said these words in Psalms 122 and verse number one. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Psalms 27 and four, he said this one thing, not these multitude of things, but this one thing that I desire of the Lord and that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life and behold the beauty of the Lord and to be able to inquire in his temple or in his house. I'm telling you what the psalmist spoke, and I believe that he understood the value of gathering together in the house of the Lord with God's people. And that house can be, I mean, anywhere that you determine to make it. Gather with the church, not just here in this place, but gather with other believers. Misconception number one, and I'm going to close here quickly. Misconception number one, the church is a building. No, we are the church. Misconception number two, the church is an organization. No, the church is a living organism. 
Number three, the church exists to serve me. No, the church exists, amen, to help you serve God and serve others. Number four, the church is for perfect people. No, the church is for imperfect, forgiven people. Misconception number five, church is optional. No, church is not optional. Church is a state of being. Church is a state of being the body of Christ. Bow your heads and we'll pray. Next week, I want to continue along the lines of misconceptions. Don't misunderstand the church that Jesus said that he come to build. It's not just another organization. It's not a building. Amen. It does not exist just to serve your needs. It exists so you could serve others. Amen. It's not filled with perfect people. Amen. I promise you, if you find the perfect church, join yourself to it and you'll blow it. You'll make it imperfect. Amen. Misconceptions. Misconceptions. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning that the church that Jesus said that he would build is alive and well today. I thank you that the church, though the world may not understand the mystery of the church, though misconceptions may abound, help us to understand who it is and what we are and what God has made us in Christ a living presence of Jesus in this world. Help us to live in a perpetual state of the church. Help us to be, not just go to a building. Help us to have the scales of our eyes pulled, the scales pulled off and have our eyes enlightened to understand what it is and what the church is. Not only to Christ, but to this world. We are the body of the Lord. We are his presence in this world. He lives in us, abides in us, works through us, accomplish his will in us. Help us to be that presence. In Jesus' name, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. How many of you here this morning would just be willing to slip up your hand and say, Pastor Gary, I needed to hear the, the message that you preached this morning. God bless your hands. Yes, yes, yes. What do I want you to take away from it? I want you to take away that you are wherever you go, whatever you do, you are his divine representative in this world. Live like it. Act like it. You are ambassadors for Christ. Father, I pray, if you'll stand to your feet, Father, I'll pray this morning that God, you would help us to latch on to the words that we have shared this morning through the anointing of your Holy Spirit. Help us to understand, grasp, lay a hold of. Help us to be the church. Help us to lay to rest misconceptions. 
Father, I pray this morning as we go our separate ways that you will bless those that are here. Let your face shine upon them. Give them favor throughout this week. I would ask, Lord, that you would minister to every need that is represented in this household. Touch those who are sick. Encourage those who are discouraged. Heal those that are hurting mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. In every area of their life, let the power of God visit their heart and bring encouragement and bring strength and joy to their being. Bring us back at the appointed time next week, Lord. Help us come rejoicing, honoring you. We pray in Christ's name.